did a song when I first heard it maybe a few years ago. I was in a different place than I'm in now. Uh, my, many of you know my testimony. For those of you who don't, I know we have some visitors here today. I, I come from a wonderful family. My life went great until I was 40, and then all hell broke loose. <laughs> I uh, lost pretty much everything, uh, even my health, uh, two fights with cancer. And I was losing my wife and losing my children, losing my sanity, losing my grip. And I'd had that grip and that sense of sanity since I was a little boy. I'm a young boy preacher and walking in ministry pretty much since I was 15. So two or three years ago when that song came out, I watched it, the performance of Christine Aguilera and uh, some other gentleman that is a part of this group, Great New World or Great Big World. And while they were singing it, my heart was aching. My heart was breaking. I cannot tell you how even prior to that, uh, Pastor, when I was performing sermons or uh, weddings in particular, while me and my wife were pretty much separated, she was in Texas still with the children, and I was trying to hold our ministry down in Philadelphia. And um, while I was wedding people, my heart was so heavy and broken. I could barely make it through the ceremony because I love my wife. I love my family, but I felt like Satan was snatching them and taking them from me. And so hearing that song that time, we were all in the living room watching the Grammys, and uh, we're a musical family, so we love those types of shows. Maybe you do. But, you know, my heart was just aching because every time I hear a love song, I would think about how far away my love now is from that in my relationship, if you know what I'm trying to say. And so... One of the things that I learned from that is that we all are in search of love. Raise your hand if you're looking for love, you know. Uh, Wow, only three people, okay. (laughs) So, um, but we're all looking for love. We're all looking for various things. And of course, um, I was very blessed last week by Pastor Ben. Let's clap for him. He did an awesome job last week ministering, amen. And uh, he was talking about searching for source. And even if you were here earlier during praise and worship, and praise and worship was awesome today, guys. You blessed me so much. Man, I tell you, I am so glad to be a part of this team. Y'all don't know, man. I'm excited about our team, our pastor's team. We met yesterday. I love being with my brothers. And what can I say? I'm glad to be on the team. And and, um, today, even during service, uh, the technical difficulty ensued, and it, the, down here it said, uh, source searching for source. Did you see that, Ben? It reminded me, you know, that's how our lives are in periods. We are searching for source. Now, for those of us that are here, we may have feel that we have found source because after they rebooted, somebody say, sometimes you got to reboot. They rebooted, and then the signal down the bottom said, search, no, a source found. Amen? Say source found. So, you know, after I remembered who I was in God, after feeling like I was losing everything and everything that made me what I am, how many of you know the opposite of remember? What is the opposite of remember? Ah, most people go quickly to the word forget. It is not. The antithesis to remember is dismember. And my point is that most of the truths that we have, we've heard plenty of, plenty of sermons. We've heard plenty of great communication, even from God and from others and music and other forms. But all of that information is right now dismembered in your consciousness. You have not 
most of us have not taken time through meditation. Somebody say meditation. In the word of God. That's a critical distinction because we're not talking about just meditation for meditation's sake. That's how you make foolishness your doctrine to live by. Amen. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. That means we're born foolish. Amen. When we meditate on the word of God, then we remember who God says we are. And that's what Pastor Ben was trying to communicate to us last week. It was an awesome word. And he even went into um, that it said HDMI. And his, his, he used that as an acronym for um, heaven. When you don't know who you are or where you are, heaven declares my eyes. Somebody said that heaven declares my eyes. Some of you didn't catch that, but he was trying to communicate to us that when we don't see our way, when our life comes under attack, when we are pressing our way through this world, which we've never been in before, sometimes we get a little lost. We can't see things the way God wants us to see them. But we have to learn how to say, if I can't see, I will see through the word of God. I will let heaven declare my eyes. Amen. You can see that through your eyes, natural, uh, E-Y-E, right? Or you could say heaven declares, as I believe Pastor Ben was communicating, heaven will declare my eyes. Heaven will declare what I can be, what I can do, where I can go, because whatever God says is what is real. Not what is looking at me or what people are saying to me or how I feel or what's going on in my heart because my heart is so broken because so-and-so broke my heart. They let me down. Okay, I hear you. But don't you let circumstances and situations dictate and determine your reality. Your reality is what God says it is. Amen, somebody. I'll say amen myself if you don't. Heaven must become our place of origin of direction and revelation. And God has given us the Holy Scriptures. Somebody say 66 books. Yeah, get your kicks on Route 66. Amen. Carry a six-shooter when you go through life. And don't respond with what man said. Respond with what God said. Amen. So now today we are going to spin off of what Pastor Ben so eloquently communicated last week and talk about the search for meaning. Because, folks, everybody's looking for the source. In fact, they've proven that there are four questions, if not more, that every human being asks. Who am I? Where am I? (laughs) What am I here for? And what is my purpose? And what is the purpose of my life? Those are questions we all ask, but I have learned something in my journey as a believer and as a leader and then as a leader of leaders and a pastor, I have learned there's a principle that radically changed my life, folks, and that is if you take the time to write it down, it might radically change yours. It is that you will never properly control, you will never control Anything that you cannot properly define. Somebody say definition. Definition is power. That is why God did not name all the animals. He let Adam name them. Why? 
He wanted Adam to control their destiny. He was to rule over them, and he was saying to Adam, whatever you call them, that's what they will be. I will back up what you define it. So a lot of our problem in life is that we're calling black white and white black. We're calling friends enemies and enemies friends. The enemy has scrambled our minds, and we have forgotten who we are. So then we cannot properly um, uh, uh, delineate and and define our world biblically because that is where the power is in defining your world biblically. What does God say about that? Amen? So searching for source happens to us, and we all go through communication failures. We have to learn that heaven must declare my eyes, and if we can get through that you know, milieu or that, that phase, that, that fuzzy phase where things are ambiguous. We get into a place with God where he can give us what we will subtitle this lesson, high definition righteousness. Somebody say, I want high definition. I want, high, I want a high definition life. I don't, I don't have time. You know, folks, I've almost died twice. People, you have to understand my attitude when you see me uh, being me, please don't misjudge me. I'm just a man that has come into his purpose and destiny by the time he was 16. I'm not saying I reached my destination or my ultimate destiny. I'm saying that you're looking at a young man who from the age of 10 had an idea that I would be a man of the word, a man of the gospel, a leader of Christian people. And by the time I was 16, I was licensed by our denomination uh, and I was ratified and confirmed as a leader. So all I'm saying to you is please understand my attitude is the way it is because I have never practiced to be anything else but a pastor and a leader of God's people. I was born into a priestly family. And I learned how to be a priest. I was never pursuing how to be a banker. I was never pursuing how to be an engineer. I've never spent time in those pursuits. I've spent time in the pursuit of being one that God can use to lead and guide his people into their purposes and assignment in this world. Amen? So when you see my attitude, my attitude is only that way because I am resolved within myself. Paul said it like this. He said, I am persuaded, right, that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor things to come nor, nor things future, present, angels, demons, principalities. He was saying, I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. So I am speaking to you about high definition because in some areas of our lives, we've, we have to have high definition. You know, you know, when I use that, I'm talking about the difference between analog television that we used to have. Y'all remember the fuzzy television, right? You with me? And then all of a sudden, the digital revolution, uh, it kicked in, and we started getting higher DPI, they call it, dots per inch, or higher resolution. And for your life to be effective in the kingdom of God, let me say that the kingdom of God is a place of high definition. It is a place of high precision. See, the church is the classroom where you learn how to go into the kingdom and do the work you were sent to do. 
Everybody got that? So we're clumsy at times in the church dimension, but we must never understand, just like high school is preparing you for citizenship, so is the church preparing you for citizenship in God's kingdom. Because when you come out of high school, you know how it is. You come out, you graduate, and you are now uh, in light of 18 years of age. The, the law of the land says you are an adult. You can make decisions. You have to, for men, we have, to, we have to go to the post office and fill out a form for selective service. Maybe you do it online now. But, you know, we have to show up in the kingdom. You can get a passport. You, can, you are now on the radar of citizenry of the United States. So the church is supposed to prepare you, teach you, tutor you, train you, so that when you arrive to that place where kingdom is calling you. Say, kingdom's calling me. Come on, say, kingdom's calling me. The place where I get used, the place where I get to see why God put me on the planet. Why am I the way I am? Why do I laugh the way I laugh? Why do I look the way I look? Why do, I, why do people treat me the way they treat me? Folks, I'm guaranteeing you, once you get high definition, everything that probably was a problem in your life, you're going to see was the very thing God was using to perfect your life. Amen. How, how, how do you? Well, let's get off of that. I'm having too much fun already. So high definition righteousness means that we move into the realm of right order. That's what the word righteousness means, family. It means right. The God, righteousness is defined as God's way of being right and doing right. See, because in a kingdom, things operate by the king's word. That is why, in fact, while we're here, let me tell you why I love the King James Bible. These verses that I read for you um, or that Paul read for you, I mean, uh, Carl read for you, Paul and Carl, you know, you know how it goes, yeah, <laughs> that he read for you, um, they're in the NIV, but I love the King James, and I tell you why, I'll take this minute to tell you, one of my affinities for the King James is that it was commissioned by a king who was a praying king who policed the scribes and the researchers concerning this particular uh, compilation of the scriptures, he had the burden of God upon him. I'm not saying he was perfect, folks, don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to start a big philosophical or doctrinal dissertation on it. I'm saying to you that I am not in my, where I am now in understanding that we are being prepared for kingdom use. I understand now why God called a king to make sure we had this book together. The king's English. Are you with me? That's what, that's why we don't often understand it because it's the king's English. But there's a mindset to a king. The king's word is law. Well, that's what God is saying. He's saying, I am a mighty king. Now, we treat this book like it's some manual, like when we buy a new piece of equipment, they usually put the word, somebody say the word, for the product is usually on top of the product. I often hope that God one day would have had us born with a Bible come out first, and then we would probably take this book more seriously. But we don't take it seriously. I know you don't, because yours is probably set on your couch, your kitchen table, or your coffee table, and you don't read it enough. But we do the same thing we do when we get a piece of equipment. Sam, we, the word is right there. They wrap it in plastic, and they say, read this before operating the equipment. 
The producer is trying to tell you that I have programmed this equipment to be able to perform at certain levels, but you must follow the word to get that performance. Do you see that? So it's the same way with us, folks. We have to, God has fearfully and wonderfully made us, but we're not getting out of our lives the performance that he predestined for us because we won't take his word for the product seriously. The enemy has deceived us, just like he did Eve, folks. The Bible says Adam wasn't deceived, Eve was. I think Adam wanted to go with her personally. Pastor has mentioned some things that made me think differently about that. But on the flip side, what did Satan question when he questioned her? He came at her with, did God say you would surely die? He raised a question mark in the midst of what should have been an exclamation point to her. God said it. That's what we're doing. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's how we keep the devil behind us, folks, and not trying to take the lead in our lives. So now searching for meaning becomes important, and we have to begin to um, understand that we're all in this process of growing up. You may move on, Josh. Thank you, sir. We are all growing up spiritually into him. Somebody say into him. So Romans 8.28 says it like this, for all things are all things work together for the good for them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. That's not up there. I'm quoting that for you. Okay? But we often don't remember the 29th verse. For those God did foreknow, he did also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus, the firstborn of many brethren. So in actuality, Jesus is not just our Lord, our owner, because that's what Lord means. We call him Lord because he owns us now. He bought us back with his life, his blood. He owns us. Amen? I mess with my wife sometimes when we're kind of having little jabs at each other. I say, girl, I got papers on you, girl. I got papers on you, baby. You know, God, he's got papers on us. Jesus has the rights to us. Amen? And we are now to know him not just as Lord and Savior because he did rescue us from hell and eternal separation from God, but we have to come to learn he is also our elder brother. He's big brother. Somebody say big brother. He is big brother. And God is intending to raise us up after his likeness. If you ever look at a bunch of boys in a family, you know, you can see who their daddy is. You see my children, they might have different colors and different faces and shapes, but you look at that forehead, you know that is Dave Gaines' kids right there. Look at that profile, God. I'm like Alfred Hitchcock. Remember Alfred Hitchcock? That's, that's that bubble forehead. You can't miss that. That's my child. Or the same way in the spirit. You are God's child. Now, this is all really about justification. Because remember, in that verse, the 29th verse says, for those he did foreknow, he did also um, predestined to be conformed. Those he also, what's another verse? Those he also justified, amen? He also justified so that we would be the likeness of Jesus Christ, who is, has no sin. Somebody say no sin. 
So that's why when we play with the word justification, it's just a way of helping you remember it, that when we talk about justification, we're saying it's just as if I never sinned. Say just as if I never sinned. God treats me on the basis of, here we go again, Luke, righteousness. Is it, well, these days there's a lot of people, and one, one of the reasons why I wanted you to listen to that song is because a lot of people are hurting, folks. Somebody say hurting. They're looking for source. They are hurting. They're asking the questions that our, verse, uh, our study verse today is asking, God, why, why no, no justice? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why so much violence? Habakkuk's like, man, there's so much strife and conflict abounds. God, are you listening? He even goes on to say, therefore, the laws are paralyzed and justice never prevails. I can't tell you how many times this week I heard on the news something that made my heart break. Folks, there are folks all over the world. Here we are not waking up and saying, thank you, Jesus. And we have refrigerators full of food. We wear clothes on our back that some people will never, they can't even imagine having a nice shirt, a clean one. There's folks in Syria right now who are living like vagabonds. Now, I know some of you don't feel that maybe, but you should. That you are the blessed of God and you're so blessed and you're blessed because you're in America. If, if, if there's one thing you can just thank God for, that you are an American citizen. Now, I know you may not want to say whoop de doo on that. I'm just saying that of all the countries in the world, and I haven't been to many of them, but I tell you, I love America. At least in America, it was founded with some idea that God existed and those that that, um, you know, those that founded the nation, particularly um, the pilgrims, and we're coming from that angle, our government, they put God in our constitution, folks. And because he's in there, we, we have a government that has worked for 230-something years and, and passed the longest reigning government in history was... Um, Rome, the Roman government, in terms of a democracy, something that operated like ours, similar to ours. So we're 230 years, but, you know, Rome fall, fell apart because they fell apart from a lack of remembering, somebody say remembering, the moral grounding that kept the country functioning. Integrity. That's right. Do you know that those soldiers that let Jesus rise that day, that they they would lose their lives because of what Jesus did. When he resurrected and was not there, those soldiers, I wish I had time to go into that, but those soldiers, they were under a mandate to never leave their posts, never lose a prisoner. And before you fail a mission, you better die trying to win, to complete the mission. So when the scribes and Pharisees paid those soldiers off <laughs> large sums of money to lie, and say that the disciples stole the body, they had to give them enough money, Mark, to retire. That's how big that money was they offered them. Because if they went back to their post, they would be killed. My point is, folks, the lack of integrity that we have in our nation is a sign that something's crumbling here. Come on now. I, listen to, I just got to tell you because we have to have a context. Somebody say context context. Without the proper context, every text becomes a pretext for your prejudice. 
Everything you are trying to build into that, what you believe and not what is the truth. Our, our country is struggling of a lack of integrity, a lack of honor, a lack of fear, and every man is going for himself now. That's the big thing that's happening with the election and everything else. What about in, in the global community, there was, um, there's billions of dollars or, or, of people, billions of dollars, that the real wealthy have been caught stealing from their governments. Have you heard that? I'm talking about hiding their money, hiding their money in different tax shelters. And I'm not, I'm only spending time on this because you need to understand that it's no different than what was going on in Habakkuk's time. The folks were not submitting to the laws of God. And because they weren't, there was injustice. There was failure in the system. Justice wasn't working. Even the laws, he says, are paralyzed. But look what God says in the midst of it, folks. In the fourth verse, he says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, Habakkuk, for I am going to do something in your days. What days, God? Your days. My days, God? Your day, my friend. I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe if I tell you. Even if you were told, man, you wouldn't believe that I can bring cosmos or order out of chaos. I can raise up somebody in the midst of all types of confusion and they'll set my word in motion in that environment. That's who we are, folks. We were called to go into all the world. Somebody say go. I've learned in my, in my tenure so far, the church is full of two categories, comers and goers. Say comers and goers. There are folks that keep coming, and you should keep coming to church, keep coming to church. But there are some folks that come to church enough where they have learned what God wants them to learn, and God starts telling them to go. Go now. Back to your job. Go now. Back to your home. You know, you come in a bad husband. You keep coming, keep coming. You come to men's breakfast. You get the word of God. You get the brothers who are encouraging you. Yeah, man, you could do it, bro. You, you know, I've been there, brother. I've been that guy with a broken family and trouble and no money to take care of my kids and wondering, how God, how am I supposed to take care of my family? I'm feeling like less than a man. And I come to the men's breakfast. I come to the men's Bible study. I start hearing what God is saying about me. I start getting a vision of what he's going to do in my life. Before you know it, I get a better job. Before you know it, I get a promotion. Before you know it, somebody hires me. Are y'all hearing me now? Now I'm rising up and God's making me instead of a comer. He made me a goer. Somebody that he can send someplace to get the job done. Amen. Come on. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be that person that, that God can tap you on the shoulder and say, will you handle that for me? Yes, sir. Be glad to handle it. You go with me. I'll be glad to handle it. Amen. That's why you go through some of the things you go through, not to continually be a comer. But, of course, once you become a goer, you got to understand you got to keep coming as a goer. But that's a whole nother level. <laughs> you got to keep coming as a goer so you can keep being sent as a goer. Amen. Hallelujah. So just as if I haven't sinned, all I, I want to get this in you real fast, real, real quick, guys. I only got a few more minutes, but it's important now. Now, just like... Um, when I tried to arrange this particular list for you, I ran into technical difficulty because my computer kept trying to correct what I was trying to do. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? So sometimes autocorrect is wrong because I was trying to build this scale from degradation, inspiration, to revelation, to impartation, to transportation. I was trying to put a five at, I mean, a one at degradation and build from one to five to transportation. Are y'all with me? But the autocorrect wouldn't let me do that. So my point is that we are all in a process by which we are growing into our justification and our righteous consciousness about who we are in God. And we all start at level one, which is degradation. Romans 3.23 says, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, let me digress just a moment and say one thing to you. Because one of the biggest things, we'll get right to this list, one of the biggest things you got to understand that sin does to the human being is that it dislocates you from God. That is the problem. It disconnects you from the source line, what Pastor Ben was saying, and your stream of revelation and information is broken. Has it ever happened? You know, you lost, you, you didn't plug in the computer to charge fast enough, and then it ran out of power. When you plugged it in finally and turned it back on, what happened? You had lost data. So that's where our lives are. Many of us have lost a lot of data. Let me look at each of you as a big brother around here. You, like me, have lost a lot of data. You do not have time to watch 20 hours of television a week and barely 20 minutes of scripture a week. I love you, but you will not be able to fight the good fight of faith that way. You must get the information, say information. Because the problem with this generation is that we get so much information that we have become anesthetized or numb to anything forming inside. We don't take the information and make it revelation. Amen? That's why God does not, and we'll say, well, we'll, I said this, let me give you a, a scripture for what I said. Sin will dislocate you. That's the first thing it does. And all I got to say to you is, what was the first question that God asked Adam after he sinned? Adam. Where are you? Now, you must understand that God knew exactly where Adam was geographically. But I need you to understand that he needed to know where Adam thought he was. Because just like when you're in an amusement park and you're lost, you're trying to get to the roller coaster, and you're asking people, do you know the roller coaster is? Oh, what well, a blue one, oh, no. the red one, <laughs> yellow one. Oh, no. I don't know what color it is. You look, the map is right there. You go over to the big map, and you look at the map and say, you get more depressed. <laughs> but if it wasn't for some wise person, Pastor, who put a little red dot in that map, that said, you are here. I want you to understand that if you don't let God locate you, orient you to where you are, that a person who does not know where they are in the process, even God can't help you. 
God is not going to overpower you. He's not going to force your will. He gave you a will like him. Amen, y'all. And I'm saying to you that the word of God, reading the word, studying the word, meditating in the word, praying and seeking God. And we're even now, Pastor Mark has been feeling this, this growing need now for more fasting and prayer also. And I'm in agreement. If the Lord leads you to turn down a plate for something, don't dismiss it. It may be the Holy Spirit saying to you, if you are able to obey me in this through prayer and fasting, we may get a breakthrough in that situation. Amen, y'all. It's not for everybody all the time. It's not that we got to call a nationwide fast. There's very few times that happens in the scripture, but God can do it. But he more often individually, based on where you are and who you are and where you're headed, he basically will bring you to a place where you hear him. And let me say this is important to the point of you knowing where you are. Say where you are. Please, I got to say these things as I got to be obedient to the spirit because some things need to be filled in before I can move forward. The reason why location, you know, walking with God is like real estate. What's the biggest rule in real estate, folks? Location, location, location. It's the same way with God. Being where you are supposed to be when God told you to be is the best way for you to know where you're supposed to go when God tells you to go. That's why every step you take in obedience to God, I never forget, I was a broken mess when I came here. I needed a leader's leader to tell me what to do. I had counseled hundreds of people, folks. I, I, listen, I've been in the game. I got a lot of knowledge on this body. So I needed a leader that could tell me what the Holy Spirit was saying. And all I got to say is one of the first lessons I learned by submitting to Pastor Tim in our ministry was, David, always obey the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that one step that I take in obedience positions me perfectly for the next step of obedience. And then it puts me on a trajectory for rendezvous and connections with suppliers and people that are also going where I'm going. That's why, Adam, where are you, buddy? Where do you believe you are? Because if I know where you think you are, I can guide you back to where you belong and where you're supposed to be. The woman at the well, the reason why I went there is because the woman at the well, she meets God, she meets Jesus, and at first she thinks he's a natural man because that's how we do. We meet people and we don't know their story. Now, here she was talking to the Son of God, and she's trying to impress him and make him submit to her. So he lets her know that I know all your business. He goes right for the juggler. Hey, girl. Since you're trying to crack on me, you know, you think you can use your womanly charms on me, but I'm a man you never met. I'm the seventh man. She had five men. Jesus said she was with a man that wasn't hers. That means she was in adultery. And then she met the seventh man, the complete man. And Jesus said, listen, girl, I can see right through you. Go get your husband. Now she had to tell the truth because she didn't have a husband. Then she makes this powerful statement, family. Please hear me because this is about location. She says, oh, now. Somebody say now. I perceive, say perceive, that thou art 
a prophet of God. There it was. She got, she got in right position. Please understand, folks, when you're trying to get proper... Remember the old televisions where you had to move the antenna? Remember that? And you would say somebody would have to get up. You know, I don't want to do it this time. You get up and you, and they're like, no, move it to the left. Move it to the right. <laughs> and what you, you were saying, I'm trying to get reception. No, you weren't. Look at the definitions. You were not trying to get reception. You were trying to get proper perception. Perception is about position. When you're in the right position, you get the right reception. So the reason why some of you might not be getting a clear signal of who you are is because you keep disobeying God. He keeps saying, go right. You keep saying, well, I feel like going left. Well, there you go. Now you're going to be out of position, missing the signal. The signal's over here, and you're over here. And you can't see clearly. You're not getting a clear reception so you can do exactly what God is showing you. Now, this is all growing up spiritually. We start off in sin, Romans 3.23, degradation. We go to the next level. Somebody say inspiration. Anybody can be inspired. The Bible says, Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. And I love what John says, and, and, and Jesus came into the world to light every man that cometh into the world. Woo! So your spirit is a candle, but you need to get a light from Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, praise God. So degradation, we all start off in sin. Inspiration, we can all be inspired. I love listening to Michael Jackson's songs. It inspires me. But please understand, folks, inspiration, there's no power on the level of inspiration. The power is on the next level if you can cross over what I was trying to get to a little sooner was what I call the 38th or the 33rd parallel or the 38th parallel. In history, as you know, there's a, there's a, a piece of land between North Korea and South Korea. It's called the demilitarized, demilitarized zone. So, you know, we don't own it, you don't own it, and that's the buffer between you and I. Well, that's how it is with your flesh and your spirit warring against the revelation and your renewed spirit uh, in Christ. There's a warfare, say warfare. And don't, please understand, sometimes wouldn't you, you, and I got to make this relevant, when you were in relationship with people, don't you like it when when you know they don't like you and they know you don't like them? So now there's no surprises, right? I know where you stand, and you know where I stand. But don't you just don't like it when folks try to act like they're your friend? Somebody say frenemies. See, your, sp- your spirit will act like it's your friend. Oh, you can go to that party, sure. You can handle it. Go on in there. And you haven't, you haven't spent any time with God. You don't have near word in your gas tank. Come on, y'all. I mean, you know, you go right into that situation listening to your spirit because you're, you're, you're in pride. You think you can do it without instruction. You're like the person who's trying to operate the equipment without reading the manual, and you're messing it up. So you put yourself in that situation, and, and sure enough, what happens? You get overpowered by the enemy. You yield to the environmental forces there, and you, you, you fall in sin. Come on, y'all. Are you still, still with me? Let's give me five more minutes. Are you still here? I mean, that's what happens. See, but you can, you can be ready to go into the world situations if you got oil in your lamp. You can shine. God wants us to shine. 
But we got to watch it because our flesh and other people will make you think that you're ready for things that you're not ready for. And that's all inspiration level. Then there's a level of revelation. Romans 1.16. This is how we're growing up, folks. Now we're going to the third level. Romans 1.16 says, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Amen? Wish I could quote the whole thing for you. Well, that's what it's all about. Revelation, righteousness is revealed by God to you. Please understand the word revelation is the Greek word apocalypsis. And here's the thing I want you to get. It means something that was there all the time, but God just moved the curtain. Have you ever, come on, y'all, have you ever been where you feel something is happening in my life? I'm close to something. Do you realize probably in the spirit, you know, you're, you're at the curtain. You can smell the new job. Oh, yeah. I smell a promotion coming. I know I feel, I feel something's happening. Something good is working in my favor. I feel it. But you know what the enemy's got to do? He's got to tempt you to disqualify yourself for that. So that's usually, as you notice, when you're about to be blessed, they say, well, here's a principle that has kept me alive. Spiritual warfare always surrounds the birth of a miracle. Say that, please. Spiritual warfare always surrounds the birth of a miracle. Sometimes you can tell you're about to go to another level by how hard the enemy's fighting to keep you from that level. That's spiritual discernment. Okay. All of a sudden now, everybody decides to act crazy around me. Okay. I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to stand right here because you know what? You might be at a curtain and you're sensing in your spirit, I'm close to something. You are. But God hasn't chosen the time yet to what? Reveal that to you. Somebody say, you may enter. You may enter. Let's go to impartation. Say impartation. Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Paul says, I desire to be with you. This is the level, folks. Now, I want to say you get saved on a level of revelation. You learn fast on a level of revelation. Somebody say revelation level is digital. That's the digital level. I hope you know, uh, the analog, it, takes, it used to take so long for things to download. Y'all remember that, right? Now, in the digital level, you could have done a document that you did 20 hours worth of typing, and you say save, and it downloads in 30 seconds. That's how God starts to download things to you when you're walking by revelation. It's a beautiful, beautiful time in your life. Then there's a level of impartation. Say impartation. Now, this is when you've downloaded so much that God now wants to use you to impart blessing to other people. So a lot of things that you need to be studying and learning, God's not, well, let me, let me sum it up very quickly. He's, he said to Abraham in the very beginning, he said, Abraham, whoever blesses you, he said, I'm going to make you a blessing to the families of the earth. He said, Abraham, whoever blesses you, I will bless them. Whoever curses you, I will curse them. And you shall be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Everything that you go through is so God can make you a blessing. Now, immaturity, as we know, immaturity is somebody saying, give me, give me, give me. I want it. I want it. I want it for me. I want it for me, God. Give it to me. Okay, we know where you are. You're still, you're still in give me phase. You don't really want what you're asking for so you can be a blessing. 
You just want to be blessed, and there's nothing wrong with being blessed. But there's another level to being a blessing that God has for you. My time is up. Highest level, transportation. Somebody say transportation. I won't even get into that too much because that's, um, you know, that's when God basically doesn't tell you anymore. He shows you what he's talking about. Only thing I want to leave with you in that is that there's a place that the early believers came to where they had seen God do so many things that the reason why we marvel when we hear them, when we read the history and say, you know, uh, how could they be, uh, how could they stay there in the arena and let lions rip them apart and never denounce Jesus? I mean, you're like, how could they be boiled in oil? How could, how could you, you know, well, it's because their faith had gone to such a level where they had become one. With the message. Somebody say one with the message. And when the messenger and the message become one, you'd be surprised how many awesome things God can do. Like he said to to Habakkuk, good place to end. You know, Habakkuk, I know you're describing right now. You're looking at this crazy world, man. Habakkuk, this world, it needs God. Yes, it does. The leaders, the politicians are corrupt. People are stealing, lying, killing, cheating. You name it, marriages are falling apart. Uh, uh, Same-sex marriages are legal. I I mean, all this. And God says, but guess what, Habakkuk? I don't care. I'm going to do something through you, my friend, that you wouldn't believe it if I told you. So, Sharice, I'm going to have to show you. And just like, remember the old Polaroid film, guys? Remember when you would take a picture, you had to shake it? Cause y'all, come on, y'all. Y'all remember that? that? That substance on that was thiosodium sulfate. Once the image, once the vision, say the vision, gets captured in the sulfate, you can't get it out. Folks, there are things we do because we love God because we can't get it out. We love him. He's done too much for me. I can't get it out. The reason why I sweat and I get excited and I run around because I can't get it out. The best thing I can do to getting it out is getting it out. Are you hearing me? The best thing I can do to get it out is to get it out, is to work it out, to serve it out, to give it out, to care it out, to love it out, to share it out. Because it's stuck in me. I am. Paul said like this, I am who I am by the grace of God. I was a murderer. I used to kill Christians, Paul said. But now I'd give my life to be a Christian. Why don't you bow your head?